welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Kavaya. So Dominique, you were saying that you wanted to talk about food delivery. I do. Um, I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's such a rich subject. And, you know, I was thinking the other day about how food delivery impacts learning. Um, And I was trying to think of all kinds of situation where the way we deliver food makes a big difference. I was looking at someone train um, a dog to heal. This is what prompted that uh, thinking. Uh, He was training a dog to heal. And so the healing was on his left side and his pouch was on his right side. So let me visualize this for a moment. Yeah, so the dog Uh, is to heal. The dog is on his his left side? On his left side. And so he's supposed to stay in that position. And when he, and his pouch, the trainer's pouch is on the right. Okay, so further away from the dog. So what do you think happens? The dog keeps wrapping around him. Around, okay. Because every time he clicks, of course, the dog will orient towards where the pouch is. And so when the trainer realized this and changed the pouch, put it on the left, everything cleaned up. Because now the the dog was no longer wrapping around him to orient towards where the food was coming from. So there's a so that person is missing a step. Go ahead. He's missing a big step <laughs> because um, I when I'm leading the goats or working with the goats on healing, and the goat could be on I could be on the goat's left side, and I usually wear a vest. I have food in both pockets. And when I click, the goat doesn't wrap around because the food delivery, part of the food delivery places the goat where the perfect goat would receive the food. Yeah, exactly. But that's something you taught. Well, yes. But so it's, that's exactly where I want to go. Because, you know, how we feed how we use the food has a big impact. And it's something that we have to spend time thinking about. So in in this case, this was the beginning actually of a training. You know, this person was just starting to teach healing. And so I'm sure that in time, he probably would have made other changes, but this was pretty dramatic. Because when he did change the pouch, it, you know, a lot of it cleaned up. But tell us about how you have taught the goats to stay there and not wrap around you. Even if you have treats in both pockets, is this right? You have tre- or are you always taking the treats from the same pocket? I would generally be taking the treat from the pocket that's furthest from the goat. Okay, so so, or unless I'd run out of treats, right, on a cold day and a long walk, right. So you, you fed. Know, I, you... I think I think one of the things that I see in a lot of the training is that in the initial stages of the training, there isn't enough time and attention spent on basic grown-ups are talking, and by which I mean, what what I sometimes see is that the animals remain too focused on the food and they're tracking the food and they're keeping track of the food Mm -hmm. rather than being able to detach their focus from, you know, it's a bit like, um, and I should eventually finish a sentence. It's a bit like being, uh, it was a group of people and there's a, cookie plate on the table and you're six years old and you want one of those cookies and there are 
three cookies left and five people at the table. And you're tracking, you know, (laughs) you're, you're watching, you're watching that cookie plate the whole time, keeping track of how many cookies are still left on the plate. And you can't really take your focus off that plate. I don't know whether that makes sense or not, but it's, it's like they, they're always in their awareness. There's always the cookie plate. Whereas the adults who are at the table may have completely forgotten that there are cookies on the table. And they know that if they want a cookie, they have only to ask for it, as it were. You know, they don't have to watch it all the time. The food's not going to disappear. Well, okay. And I don't know if that makes, I don't know if that makes sense, but it just seems like well, it makes sense for human, but it's hard to say if it makes sense for that stage, that stage in the training where your animals simply have relaxed so much around the food. They're so comfortable and confident in the clicker training process that they don't have to monitor where the food is. Or is it because you have fed where the perfect horse would be? Well, that's part of how they learn the confidence. But that's only part of it. It really is. That, that yes, I've been really mindful about where I'm feeding. Uh, so I'm feeding a horse so he's in good balance. I'm feeding so I'm setting up for the next thing. And I'm also keeping, as best I can, I'm keeping the handling clean. But I, I, and I think that's, I think that's one of those places. And I'm not, I'm not really sure where the disconnect comes, you know, in terms of why does this animal stay focused on your treat pouch instead of focused on the whole conversation and context? Well, you know, I, there was a presentation, I think it was Michelle Pouliot once that I watched, which I thought was really in- interesting. We talked about it once um, in a previous episode. It was called Strategic Food Delivery or something like that, where yeah. she she changed, where she showed us how changing the place of the delivery made a difference in, in, the, in the behavior, how clean it was. And I had never noticed this before, but now I notice it all the time that if I change, because sometimes with my dog, I just use a Tupperware with with uh, treats in it. And so it's not on me. It's on the floor if I'm on the floor or whatever. And I change the position of the Tupperware and it makes a big difference. And I, you know, I don't consider my, my dog is not stressed about food. If I brush her, I put the Tupperware near her nose and she doesn't even, she just waits for me. I may be brushing her tail and she'll wait for me to give her the treats from the Tupperware, even though she could easily jump into it, but she's very relaxed. She knows that I'm going to be giving her some treats while I groom her. But if I change, the Tupperware, she may re, she may stand up and lie down again to kind of reorient herself differently. So I, I think they, they track the food more than we may think. Doesn't mean they're, they're not relaxed about it, but they do know where the source, you know, they do want to know where it's coming from. And I think it's good to be aware of it. And you know, sometimes you have to make a judgment call because let's say you want to teach your dog to stay on a mat. Well, maybe sometimes you'll want to reinforce on the mat a lot so that it becomes a hot place. But then there may also be times where you toss the treat because you want to reset the horse, uh, the dog Um, so that you can have a loop and redo the exercise again. So sometimes you toss it, sometimes you feed in position. Right. And I think in the case of teaching a mat, 
I would use both. But I think if you only used, let's say, tossing, I don't know um, how I I feel that feeding in position is is a good thing that it helps. I wouldn't do just one. Well, you have to get the dog or the horse off the mat. You do. And there are lots of ways that you can get them off the mat, but you can't stay there forever or you'll never be able to get off. No, but if you want to teach duration on the mat, it's a good thing to feed on the mat. Yes. So which is what we do with the with the horses. As and when well. they're on the mat, it's click and treat, click and treat. And then you and then you take them away from the mat. Right. Yeah. But those are questions that, you know, when when you're you're planning a session, I think it's part of what one should plan for. You know, how am I going to re- reinforce? I do do tossing with my horses too. You know, I use food bowls on the, as you know, on the ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'll toss food there and then I'll walk away because it helps me teach certain things at a distance. Yes. You know, if you want to teach your horse to come to you and he's always glued to you, <laughs> it's hard. Yes. But if you, if you toss a few treats in a bowl and then you walk away and you call them, well, you have to, you know, you need that distance. And then you can use the food sometimes. I find that when, when the session sometimes becomes too hectic, you can slow things down with food. You slow down the rhythm of the delivery and it slows everything down as long yes. as it's clean. Yes. Well, you can definitely control the pace of the lesson with the food delivery. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a, a core component of food delivery. It's why it matters because you have a, if you have a, a horse that's getting increasingly excited by the process, they'll get faster, faster, faster. And, and, and if you just keep getting faster, faster, faster to try and keep something bad from happening, as it were, you'll just end up with a mess. But you, you definitely control the pace of the lesson through the food delivery. Right. The other thing I've been using is um, feeding. Because I normally what I guess a lot of us do is that we click, we stop, and we feed. But one thing I've been experimenting with at Liberty is, let's say I have a horse around a round pen, mm-hmm. where I'm inside the round pen and the horse is walking or trotting around the round, round pen. Yep. Or I'll give you another example, maybe even easier to understand. Let's say I want my horse to go, or I put a like a cone or a pole somewhere, and I want the, the horse to go around it. And I, I don't want him to necessarily follow me. I want him to understand that he's to go around the pole, no matter where I am. Okay? Okay. So it's, it's harder because they're so glued to us all the time. Or I want him to go in between. I put two, two th- um, what do you call those? Like a, two poles on the ground parallel, and I want him to go at the end of those two poles and maybe come back to me. Some, something like that, you know, some, okay. something a little bit with a little bit of distance where they have to move away from me and maybe come back or keep turning around or. So one thing I've, I've and I've taught them this before, I use a different marker. I use yes. And yes means I'm not delivering directly to you you're going to have to do a few steps in order to get to the food. So I had to teach this. You know, I remember in the beginning, even Bonanza was like, what are you doing? You know, he <laughs> would have the ears uh, pinned a little bit. Like, I'm not supposed to walk to get to my my uh, reinforcer. But it he understood it very uh, rapidly. And so in the beginning, I would only do like, yes, and maybe have my hand six inches away and then I would take one step and then maybe two steps. I never do like a lot of steps, but I want them to know that when I say yes, they will have to do a few steps in order to get to the reinforcer. I'm not going to be delivering it to their mouth. And what I like about this is that it keeps the momentum and they understand, and I'm going to feed on a like imaginary trajectory that I have 
where I want them to go. So I keep the horse moving like this. Otherwise, if I always click and they stop and I feed, I don't get that momentum. It seems that they hmm. don't understand. So that, that I find confusing because I can see why you're using it, but I don't quite understand why you need it. So when when I'm teaching the and of course we have to we have to teach we have to teach all the food delivery processes. Mm -hmm. So when I teach the horses in that sort of initial setup, and I have the horse in the stall with a stall guard across the door, and I may be in grown-ups are talking, there I click the horse stays still. I feed where the perfect horse would be, so his head is between his shoulders. But then I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to, the, the mantra is I'm going to click where the perfect horse would be. And what I want the horse to learn is that sometimes the perfect horse is going to be standing still. Sometimes he's going to be backing up. Sometimes he's going to be moving forward. Sometimes he's going to be picking his head up. Sometimes he's going to be dropping his head down. So say I target him forward, I click, and the horse is going to take a step or two back to get the food because he sees me turning into him and that's a, and I teach that process. Well, I, I'm also gonna teach, sometimes I need you to come forward. So when I'm teaching the horse the backing in a square and I want the horse to, and this is one of the early foundation lessons. So I have the horse in, a, in his stall or a small paddock or I put ground poles down so that he's he's got room, but there's a, a structure around him because the horses, this lesson seems to make more sense to the horses when they're not out in wide open spaces. But I don't want the horse backing into the back of his stall, into the back of his paddock, into the back of, you know, whatever's behind him before he's ready. So I will ask for a step or half a step or just a shift of balance backward, whatever the starting point is. And then I click and I feed him forward. So I ask for a step or two back. I click and I'm turning and the horse comes forward to get the food. But he comes to you. Yes. Whereas in, in the situations that I'm describing, I want him to move away from me. And that's really hard because they're always glued to us. And because I'll tell you. So, where but, but you said you were holding your hand out. In the beginning, when I teach the process, because I want the marker, yes, for them. I want them to know that this is a marker where the food will not be brought to you. You will have to go to, to the food. So you will have to take a few steps. But he's going to your hand. He could be going to my hand or he could be, I could be tossing the, um, the food in a, in a bucket away, still away in front of us. It depends. But the idea is don't just wait there for me to bring it to you. You, will, you go to the reinforcer. That's the difference for me. It would still be the same. So if I clicked, turned and dropped the treat in a bucket, I could... Very, and, and so the horse would see me tossing to the bucket. He would know to go to the bucket. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, because I found that it helped me when I was doing moving away from me, when I was trying okay. to shape behaviors away from me, that they understood. It's like they understood this line, this imaginary line that I want them to go on. And I, I took that from the dog world, you know, where um, this came, I, I've seen this a few places, but I think the place where I saw it described uh, very, very methodically was in uh, Eva Bertelson and Emily Johnson Vey's Agility right from the start book. Okay. Where they have this, delivery of food on an imaginary trajectory line and they feed along this trajectory and it really helps I find the animal to move along that line instead of kind of just always waiting for you 
just like they're standing there and they're waiting for you either to catch up or so I'm exploring with that. Okay. Yeah. It's always fun to experiment. It is. It is. And you know, there was a time when I started exploring with it where I found it was too fast paced. It was too fast paced and I, I, I let it, um, I didn't do it for, for a while. And then I took it again. And for some reason, now I'm finding I have a, I have better control on the pace. And the other thing I'm doing too, is that in a session, um, let's say I set up a little round pen and then I'll have a mat and then I'll have a pole they have to go around. And so the mats will slow everything down, you know, so I have this better balance. I think the obstacles that I put, the gains that I put out are all balanced. I will have one faster pace moving exercise. And then on, on our course, we go, the next stop is on a mat where we stop there. We'll do some grown-ups, and then we may start again to go uh, trotting around the pole and then I'll throw the treats um, in a bucket so they will eat there and they will stay there a little bit. So I think that's how I was able to use it again because my the course was more suited for my level and the level of my horses and the kind of rhythm I wanted. Um, so we can go from static behaviors to more exciting behaviors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, um, I don't know, for me, the, the food delivery, it seems like, you know, such a, okay, I just deliver food. Not really. <laughs> no, no, food delivery is much more complex than that. And the, the bottom line is, you have to teach whatever food delivery you are choosing, you have to teach it. Absolutely. So, you know, and so if you found that creating a separate marker signal makes sense to you, it helps you to keep things straight, it makes sense to your horses, then by all means, go for it. Well, it's it's about expectations too, right? Because no. we, expectations and clarity, if they expect that they, they, they don't have to do the extra step and all of a sudden you're asking for these extra step, for some horses, it might be annoying. I know it was for Bonanza. It wasn't for the other two. But for him, for some reason, it was a, a little bit annoying. Not anymore. He expects right. it. He knows that sometimes you are going to have to walk a couple of steps to get your reinforcer. Plus, I feel I have the extra clarity by using a different marker. Okay. Now, I'll tell you what the hard part is. What's the hard part? It's for me to remember to use the right marker at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why, where I find that for me it's easier to keep the clarity of the marker signal, but let my Your body, body language, language yeah. be the indicator of where do you need, where are you going to receive the food? I can absolutely see. Am I tossing the food into a bucket? Am I having you back up? Am I having you go forward? The, the body language I gives agree. the intent. Yeah. And for me, that's just it's easier to keep track of. It is easier. Um, it is easier. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that there's, you know, they're so, so aware of all the little differences that yeah. they probably see the difference. I've also definitely encountered, you know, in clinics, I'll be working with a horse and I uh, will be working on say the, why would you leave me circle? And I will click and I will feed so that uh, my, my expectation is that the horse should walk forward a couple of steps to get the food and I'll get nothing a horse will just be standing there and what what I would have expected is that by the time a horse is ready to work on the why would you leave me circle in the why would you leave me type exercise that the dynamic food delivery will have already been established that that's in repertoire for that horse but what I'm discovering is that oh oops the handler left out a step or two or or hasn't used the feed forward in such a long time that that file has just gotten very deep somewhere. But in any event, this horse is telling me that doesn't make any sense to me, lady. And right. so I have to I have to then say, okay, let me teach this food delivery process because I need it 
within the whole context of this lesson. And if, if there's a missing component, I need to go teach it. So what you were saying basically is for what you wanted to do, for the plan that you had for teaching all of this, these fun obstacle patterns where you want your horses not to stay necessarily always with you um, in that kind of dance partner connection, but occasionally you wanna be able to send them out away from you. And that the food delivery that was associated with being able to do that was initially not in place or strong enough or fully understood. And so you said, ah, I must teach a food delivery process that will be clear to my horses, that will allow me to send them out away from me. That's right. And, and, and so you did. I did. And the other thing, because, you know, we always say, and I know you and I have had discussions on this, and, you know, I'm still wondering about it, because a for a lot of people, when you click, you stop and you feed. You don't feed while you're moving. But in this case, we're moving. I'm feed because I don't want to lose the momentum. I want the horse to know we're continuing on this track. And so I'm feeding while I'm moving. I mean, I'm experimenting with all this and it's, yeah. it's working. I don't know. I haven't said so that, but there you have to think about the whole picture. So, uh, and what, what you're going to be doing with your horses. So I, I will certainly uh, at times say when you're feeding forward, I want the horses to walk forward a step or two or however many steps, you know, I've clicked, there's a motion forward. Yeah. But when they get the food, they're going to stop. That's right. So it's not eat while you are in motion. It's stop. Right. And part of the reason that I've always stayed and, and for the most part, what I really want is that when I click the horse stops, the reason for that is because I'm going to ride. And so I, it's a huge safety net to have a horse stop when you hear the click. Huge safety net. Well, that may, that may be a good reason to use another marker because when I click, I want them to stop. You know, like if I'm on a round pen and I click, I want them to stop. But if I say yes, I want them to continue to go around. See, that's where, for me, it seems more clear. And I know the body language will make a difference. You know, if right. let's say when you're in your round pen and you're standing in a place that, you know, suggests to the horse that he should continue. But normally you click, he orients to you and he waits there station for his for his street, and then you'll ask him again to go around. Where I I don't, I, I'll, I'll go to him, I'll accompany a little bit, and then I want him to continue. And there may be some pitfalls in that, that I will discover, or that right. you, will, you will highlight for me, and I will stop doing it. But right <laughs> now, I'm not seeing them. I have two, I have two questions. Um, I no. just want to go back to why would you leave me exercise, because there's something else you do in there with the food delivery that I think is really need to be taught, but is very um, useful is changing sides. You use the food delivery to change the horses uh, from going one way to going the other way. And that takes a few steps. You know, you need to practice this on your own before you bring it to your horse. Yes. And, you know, I've seen you do this and I, well, I mean, you've taught me to do this and the horse really accepted very well. It's, it becomes very natural for the horse, but that's a, that's a beautiful example of dynamic food delivery. Yes. Can you explain it a little bit more? Cause I'm sure some people, first of all, don't even know what this exercise is. Why won't you leave me? Well, in the, in the simple change of direction. So you, you have a horse going clockwise around a circle and then you want to go counterclockwise around the circle. And you could go into the center, go to a mat while, while he's on the mat and you're feeding him, you could change sides and then you'd head off in the other direction. That's an easy way to change sides. 
And if you have a horse who's not really comfortable with you being on his right side, which is not uncommon, that would be a really simple, easy way to begin. And you wouldn't stay very long on the right side. You would go off, go out to the circle, go a step or two, turn back into the middle of the, uh, back to the mat and change back to the left so that you're only visiting the right side. You're not, you're not trying to stay there. In fact, you might not even, you might not even leave the mat if you have a horse who's, who's really not comfortable yet with you being on the right side. You would, you would visit it briefly and then go back to the left. Mm. But, but later you're going to want to be able to change direction when you're out on the circle. And it is a tricky little dance step yeah. if you haven't <laughs> practiced it before. It's one that is worth practicing if you've got somebody who can play the part of the horse to, to practice it because it's easy to get lost if you've not done it. Oh yeah. But you're using the food delivery. So you're you're clicking. And this is in part why I want the horse to go forward. So he's moving along the edge of the circle. You click and then you're you're not food luring him. Your your hand is not under his nose and he's tracking the food until you open your hand, but you are, as you are getting the food from your pocket, you are stepping uh, sort of back and around. And that motion draws the horse into the beginning of the turn. And then you can extend your arm out in front of you and the horse will make, uh, will complete the turn to get his food. Is there anywhere people could see that? It's on the Why Would You Leave Me DVD. Oh. So that's where they would look for it. Okay. Because it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but yeah, it is, it is a little would, dance step that you it do. It is a little dance step. And it's very fluid when you master it. The real point of it is that turn could be difficult for a horse for a lot of reasons. It could be difficult because he just hasn't turned that way and he doesn't know how to do it sort of like writing with your non-dominant hand. It feels a little awkward at first. Or it could be difficult because there's something, some arthritis or some other, you know, something that's physically compromising that horse. And when you ask for the turn out of the food delivery first, the horse is much freer to arrange his own body than he is out of any other way that you could ask for it, even out of basic targeting. And if there's a problem, if there's a, if you see reluctance on the part of the horse to make that turn, then the red flags go up. And you know that there may be something there that you need to be paying attention to. So I love asking for the turn, I love, creating the choreography of the turn out of the food delivery because that puts the, the flow of it into the horse's body so that then when I ask for it as the behavior, you know, in front of the click. Uh, so if I ask for it either via targeting or I ask for it from a lead rope, you know, if, I, if I'm asking for it uh, as the, the dance maneuver, that I'm going to click and then reinforce. The horse already has the pattern in his body. So it feels familiar, feels like something he can do. And I've seen whether it's fair to ask my horse for this kind of a turn. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that's that's another reason for the food delivery to use, you know, to use the food delivery, you're setting up the choreography, you're, you're seeing, can my animal do this? Can he do it comfortably? How much do I need to break this behavior down into really small pieces in order for my learner to be comfortable with this movement? And that goes back always to the, you know, to the thinking that sits in the Feldenkrais work. How can I present this movement? And at what questions can I ask? that will allow you to comfortably flow 
through movement. Right. So I want to get to that question that popped in my mind earlier when we were talking about stopping to eat the food while you were under saddle, for instance, or um, my giving the horse um, the food as they are walking. Yeah. So, the so I can see if, you know, if you're saying, I want the horse to keep going and I'm going to sort of feed him in motion. Right. I can see that you might want a separate marker okay. signal for that. Right. Because especially if you're going to ride, mm -hmm. to preserve that, what becomes just such a strong response on the part of the yeah. horse. You of, click, you even, stop. You click, you stop. Yeah. And, and and even if you are going to stop, you know, on a mat that's two steps ahead because you, you know, that's been set up through some other pattern. But that 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 strong response of as soon as I as soon as you hear the click, you're going to go into food retrieving mode, and food retrieving mode under saddle means that you stop. Right. And food retrieving mode, you know, like, um, we again, this is something we alluded to before, but when you were training some of my retired Cavalia horses at a distance, and they were on a mat, and you would click them on the mat, and you would be 50 feet away, they would know to just stay there stay and there. wait for you yep. to come to them to yep. feed, to, to give them the reinforcer. It was very clear for them that they shouldn't run to you to get the reinforcer, right? that they would have to just wait there. And they did. And they were very happy seeing you come over there. But in some instances, I want to maybe have them come to me. Um, and I want them or to move to the reinforcer away from me. So again, you know, I'm exploring this. And this brought another question to my mind. And I wonder what people do. Do you always wait. So let's say we're in the more traditional um, view of you click, the horse stops, and you feed. We're in that mindset. Do you always wait till the horse has swallowed and is over chewing? I never wait till the horse is swallowed and is finished chewing. <laughs> Tell me about that. Because I was wondering what people do. I thought sometimes, you know, I'm like, Woody, I don't wait. It's like he doesn't like for me to wait. You know, he's always, he's eating and he's looking at me. What's the next cue? I wouldn't say the other two horses are as much like that. But for Woody, it seems like he just wants to know what's next, even while he's still munching on it. So I was, I'm very curious about that, you know, and, and again, maybe there are pros and cons to each, but tell me about what you do with your horses and your goats. Well, with the horses, I just, I train on the, on a, and with the goats, I train on a flow that is comfortable, but horses can chew and 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 chew. And it doesn't mean that they're not ready for the next thing, but that they will often hold food in their mouth for quite a long time and keep chewing. They do. And, you know, when you're feeding a hay stretcher pellet or two at a time, like anybody who's ever, who's ever done uh, uh, like a dose syringe and you, you want to make sure that the horse's mouth is, is empty before you give the, the dose syringe because you want everything to go down their throat. And it's astounding how much food a horse will have packed up there around, you know, in his, the back of his jaw that he's still busy working on, as it were. So I don't wait for them to have completely finished. Mm. I mean, I just, yeah. You know, dogs swallow fast. Goats inhale food. Um, <laughs> but horses chew. Mm. So, I, you know, I think that's a, but you have, you know, it's like all things, you have to look at the individual. So what is a pace that is going to suit the individual that you're working with. And some horses, for example, when you do the initial targeting, you get some horses that will touch the target, you click, you give them a treat, they chew slowly, then they pause. 
and then they touch the tree or the, the target. You know, they have to, they really, that think time is, is really important. And then you have the other horse, horses that go, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And, mm -hmm. and, and you have to think about, all right, I don't want to get things so frantic that I'm just shoveling behaviors at the, you know, shoveling the, the target at them and shoveling the tree just so fast that I, so that, so that I can uh, keep up with this individual sort of like running down a hill that you have to keep running faster, faster, faster to keep from falling down. That's no good either. And sometimes when you see a change in the rhythm, so for example, if you hold the target up and you click, you feed, you hold the target up again, you click, you feed, you hold the target up again, you click, you feed, you hold the target up again, you click, you feed. You can hear in my voice that the rhythm is getting faster. Why is it getting faster? Because the individual, the learn, both you and the horse are becoming better at yeah. the behavior. Mm -hmm. And so all of the static that was in the behavior is no longer is dropping there. out. Yeah. And so it's getting and because it's getting cleaner, yeah, yeah. the reps are coming faster. Right, right. And then you have to notice, ooh, it's get when a loop is clean, you get to move on. Well, one of the reasons that you move on is so that you can slow things down. You know, now we may want to put a pause in there somewhere. That's right. You because, could shape some waiting in between yeah, the reps. So right. you click, you present the target you click and treat and then you feed away from the target but then you could continue to feed there to shape a little bit of waiting before you present the target again yeah or you you, you wait for because you've grown up you've probably you know already started grown-ups as well yeah. you wait for that little pause yeah. some you know what's that oh we both We've both taken a breath. Now I can hold the target up so that you're mindful yeah. always of the rhythm of the lesson. Yeah. And, and you know when it's too, you know when you start getting uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the normally it should be fast paced. Yes, you want high reinforcement, but it should be elegant and it should feel very comfortable and very under control, not getting out of control spiraling yeah out of it shouldn't control. feel like defensive clicking yeah, that yeah. i'm i'm clicking to keep from everything falling apart you yeah. know that and if i don't if i don't click and reinforce really fast it'll all fall apart well your your best um tool for that certainly is grown-ups yes yeah there's when you know when you feel that uh you're in defense mode grown-ups for me is the place to go so you, you, you start to put those pauses in, mm. you know, you're putting those pauses in yep. and then, you know, what is it that tells you to begin another cycle? You know, so there's that always that back and forth flow of communication between you and the individual that you're working with. It is a conversation, you know, that if we were both talking uh, over one another and we weren't putting in any punctuation marks and I wasn't putting in any periods or any commas or any other kind of pauses whatsoever well you would never be able to get a word in edgewise because I'm talking so fast and I'm not letting you say a word but that's not how we talk you know we put the pauses in we put the punctuation in you you take a breath it gives you time to think and it also gives you time to jump in because there are places where the conversation can be interrupted. And, and that's what we're looking for, is how do I build a conversation and not just a one-way stream of do this, do this, do this, do this. And you know what? I think that that's what we're saying about the food delivery is that it's part of the language. Yes that it's the what you're saying to your horse with the food delivery is part of the language you are expressing things with the food delivery you're telling him a lot of things you know where to go where to be how fast he's taking a lot of information from how you deliver your food absolutely absolutely and as you 
develop in your training and you decide, well, you know, I want to head off in this direction in the liberty work where my horse is working out away from me and, and I want him to stay in motion and I have all of these requirements in terms of what I'm envisioning that it may well be that you're going to say, you know, I think I need for clarity's sake, I think having a separate marker signal makes sense. And I know for clarity's sake that I can't just assume that my horse is going to understand what I am intending. So I have to go through a teaching process to teach my horse this form of reinforcement retrieval. And so what would that process look like? And then you go about doing it. And now you've got a new tool in your repertoire that allows you to expand out beyond that core basic foundation. And that's part of the fun of clicker training because it is so, you know, when you when you adhere to the core principles, it is wonderfully flexible. It is, yeah. And, you know, I guess that having hang out with uh, Jesus, I, I've really bought into the idea that the purpose of training is clarity. You know, that's what you want to do. You want to make it very clear to the animal how, in, in what context they can access their reinforcement. And bad training is usually a lack of clarity. And so maybe I'm going in a direction where I'm underestimating the clever hands, um, you know, how horses read us well and can contextualize. But it feels right for me at the moment to try and find different ways to make my training more clear. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, exploring this mark, different marker ideas is part of my quest for clarity. Yes. You know, like I've been, when I raise criteria now, I always try to really be aware of what am I going to change so that the horse doesn't go into an extinction. So I, I multiply the prompts. Um, you know, I vary the exercises a lot and come at it different ways. Um, so I'm in that phase right now where I really want to see how I can make things clearer for my animal. That sounds like a good place to be, <laughs> a really good place to be. And I think you're, that's a wonderful statement that the purpose of training is clarity. Mm. Yeah. What a good place to end. The purpose of training is clarity. Thank you, Jesus, for that wonderful quote. And speaking of clarity, one of the things that I always find really interesting is to check to see what it is that I'm actually doing when I train. I'll often find when I'm teaching that I have to take the horse for a moment to see, you know, what is it that I do? How is it that I hold the lead? What am I doing with the food delivery? You know, until you really pause for a moment to examine what you're doing, you just go on automatic pilot. You do what you do without necessarily being able to explain it or replicate it for somebody else. So when we were talking at the beginning of the podcast about the food delivery to teach healing, I started to wonder, well, what is it that I actually do? You know, food delivery has definitely been a part of how I train the goats to stay at my side. Their tendency at the start was to swarm around me. When you have five goats wrapping around your legs, going forward can become quite a challenge. You know, I would click, give them a treat, and of course they wanted to be right there in front of me, vying for attention. So each one of them was taught individually how to stay by my side. And I definitely used the treat placement to teach their basic positioning. With the horses, I used the turning of my body to reposition the horse. And so that was my starting point. This does a number of really useful things for you. But I think I'm going to wait for Dominique to go into the details of what that 
turn into your horse really gives you. The ripple effect can be really huge. So I think it's worth waiting for Dominique to be here to explore that question in more detail. Anyway, earlier this morning, I braved our Arctic temperatures to see what I do when I'm asking the goats to heal. So I took out Finch. He's one of the younger goats, and he was delighted to be going out for a training session. But then he was wearing his cashmere sweater, so he wasn't as cold as I was. Anyway, he's a, he's a really fun goat to work with, and he's been learning some very fancy dance steps. Of all the goats, he'd be the easiest to train for freestyle. So his healing involves a lot more than simply staying by my side, though that's certainly part of the dance. We did a little backing, some spins, we did some combinations, and then I asked him to stay by my side, which he did. He just stayed absolutely glued by my leg. And I was wearing my vest, which meant I had treats in both pockets. And when I clicked, I fed with the hand that was closest to him. Interesting. And it certainly fit the dance flow. But that's not how I originally taught the behavior, which was also interesting. I've been saying for ages that cues and behavior evolve together. And clearly, I need to be saying the same thing about food delivery. Behavior and food delivery evolve together. And I suspect that would make a great afternoon's conversation with Dominique. So I think I'll save it for her. So we'll have that to look forward to at another time. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and have fun with your horses.